The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. All these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and smeared the clay on his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back able to see. His neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is. But others said, No, he just looks like him. He said, I am. So they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He replied, The man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and told me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went there and washed and was able to see. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes and I washed, and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you have to say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight, until they summoned the parents of the one who had gained his sight. They asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged him as the Christ, he would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, He is of age, question him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, If he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, You are that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said to them, This is what is so amazing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, 
He found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see might see, and those who do see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not also blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying, We see. So your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord What if I told you we were going to have a little quiz on the readings today? Okay, so what if I told you not only were we going to have a little quiz, but that if anyone gets 100% on the quiz they will receive a check for $10,000. Okay, here we go. First question. How many of you are right now wishing that you had paid more attention to the readings? Right? If suddenly our recall of the scriptures read here at Mass carried with it a chance for big money, our focus and our attention might find some greater motivation. Because let's face it, it is not always easy to pay the attention that we should. We can get distracted either outwardly or inwardly. Our thoughts can wander, or we may still be thinking about whatever was on our mind before Mass. We may say to ourselves, I've heard this before, and tune it out. Or, in our high-tech age, we may find it difficult to simply listen to a reading without graphics and images and music to keep us entertained. But if there was 10,000 on the line, we would find a way to improve in this area. But quite honestly, Something much more valuable is on the line than a mere $10,000. Our attention to the Word of God impacts our relationship with God. And our relationship with God determines our eternal destiny. We are not meant to be simply detached hearers of the Word, but to use the Word as a means of encountering God. The purpose of reading and proclaiming Scripture, the Word of God, is to come to know the living Jesus, not the historical Jesus, the here and now Jesus. We read the Bible not to know Scripture better, but to know Jesus better. In this light, the first reading today maybe isn't so much meant for us to know better the details of how David came to be anointed king, but to know that God does not see as man sees. Because man sees the appearance but the Lord looks into each and every one of our hearts and judges by what he finds there. The second reading tells us to live in the light of Christ, in righteousness and truth, to learn what is pleasing to the Lord and take no part in the fruitless works of darkness. The psalm assures us if we do what is pleasing to the Lord, he will guide us, comfort us, and protect us. It is in the Gospels where we really have the opportunity, by God's design, to come to know the living Jesus. By contemplating these inspired accounts of his words, his actions, his life, we can enter into his presence. We can come to know him, experience him, not as he was, but as he is. And the better we get to know the living God, the more he can transform us by our experience of him. The story of the healing of the man blind from birth is more than the account of another of Jesus' miracles. 
while the story is rich with symbolism, the washing in the pool as baptism, the smearing of mud as an anointing. If we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the living Jesus to us in the story, we see more than a miracle worker. We see a loving God that cares for us. It is after the miracle, after the blind man's Pharisee's inquisition, that Jesus shows his care for the person. Even though the blind man is cured during the first encounter, it really doesn't bring him to know Jesus. In the first meeting, the blind man was not involved with Jesus beyond having the mud smeared on his eyes and following the direction to go and wash. Now granted, having been given his sight for the first time in his life, he recognizes that Jesus must truly be a man of God, but he does not yet know him as the Messiah. I truly love the exchange between the man and the Pharisees where he says, This is what is so amazing. And in the Revised Standard Version, it's translated, Why, this is a marvel, that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. But knowing where Jesus is from is not the same as knowing Jesus. We can all know where someone is from without really knowing them. But in this case, it is not enough for Jesus that the man knows he is of God. And so after Jesus heard that they threw the man out, he goes and finds him and reveals himself to him directly as the Messiah. This personal revelation moves the man immediately to belief and worship. Jesus then refers to why he came into this world, and his statement beyond the wider reference also says to the blind man, I came into this world for you. He came into this world for us. So if we come to know Jesus better through this display of caring love, as compared to the blinded, judgmental, critical religiosity of the Pharisees, how can this transform us? Consider these two examples. Once upon a time, while I was attending daily Mass, after I'd taken my seat about 10 minutes before Mass, a couple of ladies came in and took a spot in a pew a few rows ahead of me, maybe four rows from the front. I'm not sure why, but they had a lot to talk about, and proceeded to do so at length. I found this very distracting and kept hoping that whatever was needed to be discussed would quickly come to an end so I could return to my prayer and quiet time before Mass. No such luck. I mean, I think we all recognize that sometimes we need to talk in church for a few seconds. But for the most part, we keep it short, quiet, and try not to disturb or distract others. However, these two folks were really into the conversation one of whom was also supplementing her words with hand and arm gestures. I have to confess, I was quite disturbed by them and found it impossible to pray or pay attention to anything other than them and my feelings of annoyance. And these feelings rotated alternately between being annoyed at them for talking and annoyed at myself for being so bothered by it. I mean, after all, they were coming to daily mass. That's a good thing, right? Who was I to judge? Maybe whatever they had to discuss was important and couldn't wait. Finally, when Mass started, they quieted down. However, the one woman continued to look over at the other as if she could barely wait to add something more to their conversation. I'm sorry to say the fact that I noticed this was another indication that my attention was not where it belonged. As we approached the sign of peace, I wanted to be sure that I did not convey any negative vibe in my eye contact. As by then I had convinced myself that I was wrong and needed to forgive, repent, and pray for whatever their needs might be. While I pulled off a positive exchange of peace, 
but was quickly drawn back into my dilemma as they used the handshake as an excuse to start talking again. They were silenced by communion, but as soon as the closing hymn ended, they immediately took up where they had left off. At this point, while still wanting to pray for a while, but recognizing I could not put this distraction aside, I quickly moved out of the church and into the chapel, hoping that in my struggle there might at least be a homily reference. And so there is. I must admit, I felt much the part of the Pharisee, caught up in judging the behavior of others rather than attending to my own behavior, struggling with the battle of judgment versus mercy, and all over something as insignificant as a few words shared in church. Wow. Contrast this to another time that I was at daily mass, and this time I found myself seated in front of a young woman with three small children, ages roughly four, two, and less than one. I had seen her at Mass before, and I'd always admired what must have been quite a challenge of getting that group ready into a daily Mass. Now, let me be loud and clear. And I know you're thinking, Deacon Joe, you're always loud. But so let me, in this case, just be really clear. That small children making noise in church does not bother me. As a church, we embrace life and value family, and we welcome and encourage family attendance at church. The small child doing what small children do is part and parcel of that and praise God for children, families, and all that come with them. I, of course, have grandchildren in that same age range, and at any given time when I am at church, it could be my grandbabies, the little angels, making noise, of course, which makes me even more understanding and immune to such events. However, I do understand from my own distant memory and from my daughter's sharing that the parents of these small children are often uncomfortable with the noise their children may make during a service and frequently struggle more than anyone with that distraction. In the case of this woman with the three small children, she was not having a good day. The kids were active and loud and not easily consoled. I could hear her mounting exasperation as she made ongoing futile efforts to soothe and quiet her children. The time came for communion as I was moving to the aisle. I heard the voice of a man who apparently was sitting behind the woman and her children say to her in the most genuine, encouraging, and supportive way. You really have wonderful children. Perfect. Now, as much as I hate to be the Pharisee in an example, my actions in the first case with the two ladies would put me closer to the Pharisee camp. Although in my defense, I knew where I was and I didn't want to be there. It just wasn't easy finding my way out. How much better to be the man in the second example, not only tolerant of the distraction, but also sympathetic to the mother and willing to express his support and encouragement at a time when she could certainly use it. If we enter into the gospel and seek to meet Jesus there, to experience his love, his care, his power, and his mercy, we are changed by the experience of the living Jesus, who is every bit as loving, caring, powerful, and forgiving now as he was then. This is not a God removed and distant, but up close and personal. Simply hearing about a God who judges and a set of rules that among other things tells us not to be judgmental does little to turn us away from our human tendency to be annoyed by and judge others. Witnessing the living Jesus' love and mercy, his caring and his power, draws us into a relationship that transforms us into a merciful, loving people that strive to please the Lord while leaving judgment to him who judges justly.
It is in seeking to encounter the living Jesus in his word that we experience the scriptures as alive and life-giving. What better way to spend these last few weeks of Lent than asking the Lord to help us to find him in his word, where the encounter allows us to be transformed so that we too may move from blindness into the light of Christ. Send questions or comments regarding this podcast to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.